to all our listeners of Church Matters. My name is Dan Dick, and I'm delighted to be with you. The Advent season is just around the corner, so it's fitting that we bring you a story of God's engagement with the world. During Advent, the Church retells the story of Jesus' birth. Indeed, the word Advent means coming. In the book of Revelation, we read about Jesus coming again. When God's people first heard about Christ's birth, many were anticipating a new future and relief from oppression. Christians today anticipate God's new future in Jesus' coming again. Today, some Christians envision Jesus' return as a destructive apocalyptic event. Others understand Jesus' return as the revelation of a new creation on earth in which all things are again made new, where peace will reign eternally. Whichever way you understand the book of Revelation, Willard Metzger reminds us that the end is not ours, but that the end belongs to God. Willard Metzger is the General Secretary of Mennonite Church Canada. He presented this sermon at the Mennonite Church Canada 2011 Assembly in Waterloo, Ontario, on July 6th. This was recorded in an outdoor setting, so you will hear an occasional breeze buffeting the microphone. This is the church! And you know, being the church is not easy. In fact, there is little that is more difficult than being the church. For one thing, being the church requires flexibility, and that is never easy. The church is comprised of all sorts of people, involves countless languages, cultures, backgrounds. To be the church with such an array of people requires flexibility. Not only that, but being the church obliges us to get along. Jesus demanded that we love one another. Obviously, Jesus didn't fully appreciate what he was asking for. And even more yet, being the church insists that we are a countercultural people. As the church, we don't buy into everything the media is selling. It isn't easy being the church. And if you think that being the church is hard enough, try being a leader in the church. It does remind me of the story of the mother trying to get her child ready for church on a Sunday morning. After repeatedly yelling up the stairs with no success, she finally burst up into the bedroom, only to find covers pulled up over a curled body in bed. Come on, chided it, mother. It's time to go to church. I'm not going, responded the mournful voice. Now, mother was a progressive, enlightened parent, and so quickly transitioned to a posture of reasoning. Well, she said, you give me two reasons why you think you shouldn't go to church. Well, for one, came the voice buried under the covers, I don't like anybody at church. And the second, continued the voice, the people at church don't like me. Well, time was flying really quickly, so mother simply concluded, well, you're going to have to go to church anyway. But before the covers could be yanked off the bed, the voice beneath replied, you give me two reasons why I should go to church. Well, for one, responded, the vo responded mother, you're 35 years old. <laughs> and for the second, she continued, you're the pastor of the church. 
Now this week, we've been looking at passages in Revelation this, uh, this week, and John was living at a time when being the church was not easy, and when leadership for the church was definitely not for the faint-hearted. Roman military rule ruled with a very heavy hand. They squelched any uprising swiftly and with determination. Well, on the positive side, this heavy military rule, it made the empire a place of relative tranquility. As a result, people in great gratitude began to grant divine status to the empire and its rulers. So emperor worship became increasingly common and popular. Yeats, in his commentary on Revelation, noted an important clarification, though, to this increasing popularity of emperor worship. He noted, and we need to be reminded, that the movement to worship the emperor was not something initially imposed by the Roman government. Rather, it was initiated as a response of gratitude by the people. So to refuse to worship the emperor was seen by the people as unpatriotic, and as a political revolt. At the time of John writing Revelation, it might well have been during the reign of the Roman Emperor Domitian. Proclaiming himself as Lord and God, Domitian then was the first emperor to ever identify himself in such a way. He also took it a step further and made the failure to worship him an official political offense. It wasn't just a tough time to be a leader in the church. It was a tough time to be church. Being a Christian was not for the faint-hearted. So John was giving leadership at a time when many in the church had lost their lives or certainly felt that they were soon to lose their lives. As written in Revelation 17:5, the great beasts were, according to John, drunk with the blood of the saints the blood of those who bore testimony to Jesus. Not a particularly inviting environment for new church planting efforts. So I'm wondering, if you were a leader in the church in such a time as that facing John, what would you do? Youth, if you were leaders and that was the context of your leadership, what would you do? If you were living in such a time, what would you want to hear from leadership. The very fact that you are here this evening would indicate to me that all of you are leaders. You are swimming against the current. Although most of society has disregarded the church, you have not. And many Christians have questioned the value of the larger corporate family of faith. But here we are from all across Canada, I can well imagine the lonely nights faced by John, exiled on an island, left to die. He must have endured numerous emotional battles. Despair would have lured him, and anguish would have taunted him. Like the one he grew to love and serve, his heart too must have sighed at times, My God, my God, why have you forsaken us? We look for evidence of the Spirit of God as we discern through difficult challenges. It can feel like we have been abandoned, abandoned by others, abandoned by our own children, and overlooked by God. 
In environments like this, it is good to look to passages such as Revelation 21 and 22. Revelation reminds us of two very important things. The first is that this is not the end. And the second is that the end belongs to God. The book of Revelation is not an easy message. John was not telling the church to relax and that everything would be fine. The vision describes immense suffering and expects continued persecution. The apostle recognized that terrible things were happening and that terrible things would continue to happen for those who acknowledge and worship Jesus Christ as their Lord. It was not a vision that, that promised an avoidance of suffering, but the vision was nonetheless a message of hope and promise. No doubt, people wondered if this was the end of the church. Would the church finally now be obliterated? In our postmodern, post-Christendom context, people sometimes entertain the same thoughts. How much decline can the church across Canada experience before there is no one attending church anymore? To the church in the time of Rome, Roman oppression, and to the church in the time of oppressive consumerism, the message of Revelation is the same. This is not the end. The story of God's engagement with the world does not end with us. Our youth here this evening are a statement that the impulse of God's passion has not ended. Our youth will take the church places it has not yet been and boldly express the grace of God. There are still individuals who are convinced that God's love is not for them. It will be the youth Youth will be the church who will set them free. There are global systems and societal norms that have yet to be challenged by a bold declaration of the gospel of peace. Even persecution would always accompany the church. The church will always be countercultural. It is not intended for the faint-hearted. So God promised that the Spirit would fill us with courage that the Spirit would fill us with hope, saturate us with songs of peace. How else could early Anabaptist martyrs sing songs of faith as they march to their death? We may die, but this is not the end. Now that's the message of Revelation. And the second thing that Revelation reminds us is that the end belongs to God. It is God and God alone who will determine the end. And God's ending includes a new heaven and a new earth. God's ending is complete restoration and thorough healing. When true peace will rule, and such an ending only God can assure. One day, God will wipe away tear, every tear from our eyes. And when that day comes, there will be no more death. No more mourning, no more crying, no more pain. When that day comes, the old order of things, marred by hatred, strife, injustice, and greed, the old order of things will pass away. It may seem like the church sometimes takes a few steps backwards, but the Spirit of God within us reminds us of God's future. 
It is not for tyranny to declare the end. The end belongs to God. It is not for despair to proclaim the end. The end belongs to God. It is not for fear to declare defeat. The end belongs to God. Youth will always lay claim to conviction and commitment, the passion of God to restore and make things right in the world will always rise up within the hearts of God's people. We are the church, and this is not the end. The end belongs to God. Amen. Thank you for those words, Willard, and thank you to all our listeners wherever you are. Church Matters is made possible by the generous support of listeners like you. Thanks. We couldn't do it without you. If you would like to help us continue the program or support other Mennonite Church Canada ministries, call 1-866-888-6785 or visit MennoniteChurch.ca. My name is Dan Dick, and you've been listening to Church Matters. May you be called, equipped, and sent to be the church in the world this Advent season and every day after. Thanks for listening, and see you next time. As you go out from here, may the Lord go with you. The face of God shine on you every day. We are sent by God wherever we are living, salt and light as people of the Salt and light as people of the way.